Hi, I'm Brett Robinson. Welcome to the Redeeming Hope Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. We trust that you'll be inspired, uplifted, and encouraged as we look into God's Word together. Yeah, so actually, I mean, all these testimonies coming out, which is so amazing. I mean, Brett also had a bit of a testimony. I think you and uh, Andrew should almost share it because um, they were putting two containers on a big concrete slab and only half the concrete slab got thrown. And he said, no, it's not thrown and they can't bring the other container at the same time and so I won't have storage. And we're saying, Lord, you know, where is the cement? Because the concrete guy wouldn't bring the cement and, you know, seemingly a bit of a crisis. And um, so I said to Brett, so what happened? So he said, no, they decided just to bring the one container and then pay the extra money and bring the second container on Monday. Coming. So when the first container came, the, they put the container in position, they found out that the concrete slab had been thrown two, 30 centimeters short. So the container didn't fit. So this is a bit of a crisis. So the guy says, no, no, look, no problem. I'll put it down here. When I come on Monday, I'll pick, you fix the concrete. I'll pick up that container, move it to the right place, bring the other container, put it on the right place so the whole thing would be fixed. So just thought, you know, if it hadn't been for the delay in the concrete that everybody thought was like, you know, what a crisis, actually God was moving in that. It was really, it's really an amazing story that sometimes God moves in the midst of our crisis. It is charging the same price. To deliver two containers. To deliver two containers. But the fact that the concrete was delayed, it was, you know, we can't say it was God's plan, but God used the plan. God used the situation. So I thought just to, as Brett said, you know, he'd been a very busy week uh, moving and all these different things. So when I got home last night, I said, yeah, no, like I'd, I'd share because I was really um, touched by, you know, the message that Brett started sharing some weeks ago about that switching your point of view. Do you all remember it? Were you all here? Were you all here for um, Exodus 14.7? Were you all here for it? Well, I think, we well, let's just go back. I actually want to move into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but let's start off with uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 7, when Moses said to the people, you know, the people were complaining um, about why didn't you just leave us in Egypt to die? I mean, are there not enough graves in Egypt that we can die in Egypt? Um, is that why you've taken us away into the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Sometimes we say to God, what have you done to us? Why doesn't the concrete arrive in time? You know, why doesn't this happen? Why doesn't, what have you done to us? And in that very thing, you know, if we then go on with our old point of view, with our old um, approach to life, we can even complain against God, we can grumble, we can moan, and just do exactly what the, what the Israelites were doing, you know. Um, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see what the Lord and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, and in everything that's been shared this morning, you know, we just hear, we just see the salvation of the Lord working in different places. See the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians, the enemies, whom you've seen today, you will never see again. And that is such a powerful promise. Probably, this is probably one of the most powerful. Um, sections of scripture that there is in the Bible. If we will grasp this and we will take just these few lines and apply it to our lives. you know, The Egyptians or the enemies that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be still. 
the Lord will fight for you. And you know, I was actually, even I was getting more agitated about the concrete slab last week than Brett was. He was more, <laughs> I was thinking, well, you know, what is wrong with this builder? Can't he plan his concrete in time, you know? I mean, you know, I hate in procrastination. I hate people who not, you know, do things when they say they're going to do them. And Brett was saying, yeah, well, we'll just get the container on Monday. So, well, it's going to cost another 3,000 rand. Anyway, it turned out he's not paying the 3,000 rand. It was perfect, God's perfect will the containers didn't come in time, that the concrete didn't arrive in time. Stand firm and see the salvation of God. Amen. It doesn't matter what situation that we're in. You know, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be still. And um, before I move in, on there, because we can read it and it's very powerful and it's a great faith-stirring passage there we can read. But Brett spoke a little bit about that whole thing of being still. You know, be still. Take up your position and be still. So who can remember what be still means? What are the words that describe that be still? Huh? Let go. Let go? Yeah, I read that in Hebrew. Let go, okay. What else? Rest. Be still. Yeah, come to a place of rest. Don't be agitated. Come to a place of rest. Let go. It says... You know, it, 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 it says the, um, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be still. Let go and trust God. comes to that new place of trust. So we're talking about uh, trusting God, letting go. Um, what else? Have faith. have faith. Yeah. Now, you know, just let's expound that have faith a little bit more. Because, you know, everybody's saying have faith, have faith, have faith. But you cannot have faith until you're in the right position. You know, I mean, you, if you, this is where most people miss it, you know, and I found it many times in my life, unless I'm positioned. You see, even what God said through Moses to the people, the, they had to do some certain things there to have the faith. You know, they couldn't just have faith. There are people running around like a chicken without a head saying, I've got faith, I've got faith, I've got faith, but it's not actually happening for them because they have to be positioned. And, and one of the things it says, it, to place yourself in a position. To place yourself, um, to be firm, to be confident, to place yourself in the position of peace. It says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, you know, when we say do not be afraid, you have to place yourself in a position of not being afraid. You know, you've got to make a choice. The Bible actually says, it says, do not allow yourself to be afraid. Do not allow yourself to be anxious. Place yourself, um, as I share when we go along in these, go away in these uh, leadership weeks that we go and do, I share the story of a guy that came to me when I was, um, you know, because we run this whole course position for blessing and one day I was in a total state of agitation because Linda's car had broken down and it's standing on the highway and smoke is coming out of it and this mechanic comes to me and then he's saying the engine is blown. And I say, oh my gosh, the engine is blown. He says, don't worry, Pastor. He says, you know, there must be a way. I said, well, what is the way if the engine's blown? The engine's blown. How much does the engine cost? So he says, 100,000 rand. But don't worry. <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. And then he made, he made the statement. And I talked to leaders because, you know, last time we had a church, you know, Pastor, there, he, uh, he has got 14 churches and two in Ghana and leadership coming from all over the place. And amongst all of them, I see the situation that I was in that day. And this man says to me, as I'm looking at this engine, smoke's coming out, the water's boiling, you know, the whole trip. He says, Pastor, you can be blessed or you can be stressed, but you can't be both at the same time. 
<laughs> you know, and here I am, you know, running the course, and he's sending everybody to the course, and now I'm standing in front of the smoke coming out of this, and he says, you can be stressed or you can be blessed, but you can't be both at the same time. And it's true. And you know what I think this is the biggest deception that Christians works, walk in? And that is that, how are you? I'm blessed, but they walk out stressed. Walking around stressed. And it's, um, so you have to position yourself in that place of peace. Position, be firm, be confident in that place of trust. It means to station. It means to present yourself and to remain in a place, to present yourself to God and remain in that place so that you are able to withstand. It says here that stand and see. That when you stand, you withstand. Standing means I'm going to withstand fear because it says do not fear. Stand firm. Stand firm. Do not fear. So we've got to stand in that place where we can withstand the things that the enemy will come against us with, whether it's anxiety or worry, or um, stress, or, or whatever it is. So at that point in time, when I was looking at this car, you know, I had to decide, am I going to stand in the place of God's blessing? Whether you're looking at the concrete, or you're looking at whatever you're looking at, am I going to stand firm in the place of God's blessing? Or am I going to be stressed? You know, because God's not moving fast enough, or He's not doing what I think He should be doing at the right place in the right time. So it's a positioning. All right. So we're talking about the point of view of changing our point of view. And actually, if you look around the world today, we are in, England is in a crisis. I just spoke to somebody else that is a top business guy, you know, involved with a lot of guys in England. And he says they've never been in such a crisis. So whether it's England, whether it's South Africa, Venezuela, wherever you go, you know what has put us in this crisis? People's point of view. People's points of view. You know, they, they believe this point of view, and we should be doing that, and we should be doing that, and they all think they they're working in wisdom, and a lot of their wisdom is vertical wisdom. You know, knowledge, wisdom based on knowledge. Your opinion, your opinion, your point of view, your point of view. Nowhere do we hear God's point of view. Wisdom based on above is pure, is peaceable, is, is changes lives, you know. So there's a vertical wisdom compared to a horizontal wisdom, which is a worldly wisdom. That's not really getting anybody anywhere. So it's a point of view. So turn with me to um, 2 Corinthians. And I just want to read this passage here that I'm sure you all know. But just, I was just reading it again. I thought just I was just going to read the one passage of Scripture that funny enough came up in our reading this week. And Lynn and I were talking about it while we were traveling down in Nasna. But I want to start from verse 1. And if you've got your Bibles, follow with me. It says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not. Now, this is Paul writing. He says, you know, we've got a ministry. We're all sitting in here thinking we've got a ministry. And it's not just a ministry of preaching the word, it's a ministry of caring for your family, a ministry of your business, a ministry of French, friendship, a ministry of encouragement, a ministry of, well, yeah, there's all kinds of ministries that we're involved in. And, um, and how often do we just go through times and we just start losing heart, you know, um, for different reasons. But it says, we do not lose heart. He's taken up a position. He's taken up a stand to be able to, to withstand losing heart. You see, when, you, when it says we do not lose heart, then you have to stand in another place of having heart. 
You don't just say, I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to lose heart. No, you've got to change your stand. You've got to change your position to a place of confessing and stating, we do not lose heart, and then do something about not losing heart. Do something about it. We have renounced, he says. We have renounced disgraceful and underhand ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the likeness of God. It's an amazing thing. Just two people recently, one... Um, you know, sitting in front of two different people who said, I don't believe in God. Their lives are in a complete chaos, complete crisis in every area. And yet they sit there and say, I don't believe in God. And I'm trying to say, this is your answer. This is your hope. It's, yeah, but I don't believe in the, that the hope that you're talking about. So, well, I said, so if you don't believe in God and you don't believe in these things, how is it working for you? You know, because if you look around your life, your life's in crisis. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the God of this world blinds the minds of people. And I tell you what, what our prayer must be, Lord, don't allow the God of this world to blind our minds when it comes to some of the subtle things that we think, you know, we have control over. You know, when it comes to anxiety and worry and stress and fear. Don't allow our minds to be blinded. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This light has shone out of darkness and into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ in the face of Christ, in, in the face of God. So he makes a statement, and this is the build-up, and now we're getting to the passage that I really wanted to speak about, but we need that first. And it says, but we have this treasure. It says we have this, in the Amplified, it says we have this precious treasure, which is what? What is this precious treasure? Well, he's just been speaking about it. He says it's the light of the glory of Christ shining in our hearts, and it's the message that we preach. He talked about we have this ministry. And the ministry is the light of the glory of God shining in our hearts. So we have this precious treasure. And what does it do, he says? It replaces darkness. It replaces darkness. We have the good news. We have the light of the glory of Jesus Christ. And it replaces darkness. And then he says this amazing thing. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, in the Amplified, it explains, it says, firstly, we have this precious treasure, being what? The light of the glory of God, which replaces darkness, in unworthy earthen vessels of human frailty. You know, Linda just brought out, because we read the scripture, and then she read it in this Amplified, and she said, you know, the amazing thing is it says, in, in human frailty. In human frailty. We've got to continually understand that without Christ, we are just earthen vessels of human frailty you know trying to make a difference in the world trying to you know succeed in the world trying to hold things together in the world 
But why? When we recognize in humility, because God dwells with him who has a humble and contrite heart, when we dwell in that humility, it says, so that the glory and the surpassing greatness of the power of God shown to be from God and not from ourselves. It's not from ourselves. So let me read it in my version. It says, we have this treasure who has shown in our hearts um, for the knowledge of the glory of God um, but we have the treasure to, so that it, it so that to show that the, this glory belongs to God and not to us show that the glory belongs to God and not to us and when I look around the world the thing that concerns me when I see even amongst the church is how much church and church people and church leadership have grasped the glory for themselves and it does not belong to us and it's causing people's point of view to change, where their point of view becomes higher than God's point of view, where their glory becomes higher than God's glory. And when people get into that kind of place, that they can be so self-sufficient, that their point of view is greater, that the glory belongs to them and not to God, we, you know, we're in, it's in a desperate situation. Even to be able to say, I don't believe in God anymore, to be so self-centered, you see, to be so blinded by the God of this world, you know, that we cannot re not acknowledge the fact that the glory of God comes and is in an earthen vessels of human frailty. And then he continues, and this is where I think it's so important if we're going to talk about changing your point of view. And Paul says, he says, we are afflicted in every way. Now, you know, often when I'm going through my reading and I get to this passage, I jump over it. Because I don't want to read out we're afflicted in every way. You know, and I think oh, there's much more positive things that I can read. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't read this passage often. Because people come to me and say, well, you know, Satan's attacking me and I'm just afflicted. And then they, you know, and I, well, you know, I, <laughs> I don't want to digress here now, but I sort of, I get, I get, I get sort of frustrated with that because, you know, it's a terrible thing to confess that Satan is attacking you all the time. And, um, and so I kind of avoid this thing. But actually, in the, in the, in the sense of what Brett, Brett started was changing your point of view, there's so much power in this about changing your point of view. It says, we are afflicted in every way. Um, well, I'm trying to work in turn two. We are pressured. We're afflicted or pressured in every way but not crushed. See, we are pressured. I talked about stress. We're afflicted or we are pressured, Amplified says, in every way. Hedged in. Just sometimes do we feel hedged in? Can't get this thing done. Can't get it right. Can't break through here. We feel pressured. We feel afflicted. But he says we are not crushed. What is your point of view when you go through affliction? That's the very stage when we've got to say, there is affliction. There is pressure. There, we do feel hedged in. But my point of view says we are not crushed because we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And we can stand firm and see the salvation of God. Where are you positioned? You cannot go through the scripture until you know your position. You cannot go through the scripture even with faith until you know where your faith is positioned and what is living in you, and what glory is in you, and, you know, and, 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 the, and the Spirit of God operating in you. So we are afflicted, but we are not crushed. 
Then he says, we are perplexed. Perplexed. And I look at the world and I just, you know, there's one word that comes to mind and that is they're so perplexed. They're confused. It says, it says they cannot seem to find a way out. You know, and that's what's happening when you just read what's happening in all the countries, but I mean, England at the moment, and these are first world countries. This is the fifth, uh, fifth biggest economy in the world. This is a country when you're flying to England, you think to yourself, everything is totally regimented and in order and under control. It's a first world country. You know what I'm saying? They are perplexed. They're hedged in. They cannot find a way out. And sometimes we feel perplexed cannot find a way out but then the point of view that we've got to change is because this is important but not driven to despair not driven to despair we are perplexed but not driven to despair to despair they say that now despair is the um, is the the psychological state driving three major things that are killing people in this world. Despair. Despair and disappointment. You know, despair leads people to addiction. Alcohol addiction, drug addiction, which leads, leads to psoriasis of the liver and all kinds of things. And so contamination and sickness in the body comes from despair. You know? It needs, to it needs to suicide. It le leads to all kinds of things. So despair is a very powerful thing. And he says, but we not driven to despair. And that is a switch of mind for you because I can see the things around me, whatever it is, and I can get into despair. We, we just felt God said to us, go down to Nisner this week and go and just be with this, this uh, couple that are friends of ours who live in Australia. And... Um, they have a son that's you know been struggling with uh, drug and alcohol addiction for 36 37 years and they just came to south africa to get away and they came into a crisis in south africa and we weren't going to go because we were busy and i said to linda it's month end it's this and that and everything's happening and and they said no please come and visit us you know they've been in south africa going around but and they've got everything financially you know, they got it. Why do we need to go there? You know what I'm saying? Get in the car now, drive all the way to Nasna. And we got there, and there was one word written over them despair. You know, and we just went and ministered some of the what I'm sharing with you here and just saw God set them free, and they've sent us messages. You know, they got, after all these works, weeks of disappointment and heartache, you know. God has lifted their despair. They have to go home to the son who's on the street and stealing and doing all kinds of things, but God has lifted the despair and certain other things in their lives. They got a daughter. In fact, she's our God child. And she was um, in ministry and uh, went into, into Vietnam, Vietnam and lived amongst the squad of people on the things like that and picked up a virus. And she came back to New Zealand because she met a, a guy and got married and they went to New Zealand. And then she had two babies and the, the twins. And the, both of them have got cerebral palsy. They're three and a half years old. They cannot walk. They can hardly talk. The one wears a helmet on his head. The, the, the one had to have his tongue operated on because his tongue was three times normal, larger than it sh should be. The one who was totally deaf and he couldn't hear. The other 
Now they're starting to make progress and it's amazing what the New Zealand government is doing for them. You know, but you talk about despair. You know, the hope they've now got to take this one child and go to England for an operation, then they've got to go to the United States for this and come back to... I mean, despair can destroy you. We are perplexed. We don't know how to find a way out, but we are not driven to despair. And you can place yourself in that position. We are persecuted. Amplified says, hunted down. Hunted down and persecuted, but not deserted, to stand alone, not abandoned. One of the things that the enemy uses against us is the feeling of abandonment. You know, you know what? You're standing alone. Nobody is with you. Everybody's abandoned you. Um, and in fact, they persecuted you. You know, and things, people say bad things about you, you know persecuted you and uh, Paul says but we are not deserted we are not standing alone in the stage we are not abandoned and then you think the guy's had enough now he's been afflicted he's been um, afflicted he's been crushed he's been driven to despair he's been persecuted but he, he carries on and says and, we, and we've been struck down you know on top of it all on top of all these things he says we've been struck down but our point of view is never destroyed Never destroyed. And so we he carries and say we always carry in the body the death of Jesus, so that the resurrection life of Jesus may all also be shown in our body, triumphing over that which would come against us. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the resurrection life of Jesus can rise up within us. We change our point of view. Yes, there may be afflictions. Yes, there may be persecutions. Yes, there may be, we may feel perplexed and pressured um, and hunted down. But, but the truth is, you know, we are, not, we are not crushed. We are not driven to despair. We are not standing alone. We are not abandoned. And we are never destroyed because the resurrection life of Jesus rises up within us. Beautiful. And then he continues here, and you can read it for yourselves if you just carry on, but I just want to pick up from verse 16 and says, um, oh no, well let me read it. So, since carrying in the body the, the, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus Christ may be manifest in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I believed and so I spoke. We too believe and so we speak. And I'm so conscious today that why do we speak? There's a lot being said in the country today. You know. And it depends. And people are speaking out what do they believe. Eskimo is going to crash. We won't have electricity. We won't have this. We, a lot of things have been spoken about. Only speak from what you truly believe God has placed in your heart. Right now, more than ever, we need this. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. That is our point of view. We can be afflicted. We can be pressurized. We can be 
feel you know, abandoned, we can feel deserted, whatever it is. Uh, we might have despair coming against us, but it says that Jesus, that he who raised Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. It's not our own work. That's what Moses said. He said, stand firm and see the salvation of God. Not stand firm and you become and organize and make the salvation of God, but stand firm and see. Be still. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. You know, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. And then these powerful words, he says, for this slight momentary affliction. The slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. And this is the switch. This is the switch. Choose it. Are we going to look at what can be seen, whether it's the newspapers, the news, or heard from the people around us? But it says, we look not at what can be seen, but we look at what can be seen. See, the Israelites were standing there at the Red Sea and they looked with one set of eyes and all they could see was hundreds of thousands of Egyptians rushing at them. Clouds of smoke from the chariots. And there they are, the Egyptians are there, they were rushing at them. But Moses says, don't look at that that can be seen. Look at what cannot be seen. Because what can be seen is temporary. But what cannot be seen is eternal. You know. And that is just a, a choice that we may, we may make. Position yourselves in what you're going to see, in what you're going to speak. Switch your point of view. Switch your point of view. And then go and read 2 Corinthians just further on chapter 12 and verse 9 to 10 in the Amplified. You know, because Paul is talking to the Lord and he's saying, but Lord, you know, I've got this thorn in the flesh. And... Um, and it's really a struggle for me. Um, and he said, please remove the thorn from me. And grace, and, and God says to him, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. My grace is sufficient. Because you're saying, Lord, how do I switch this point of view. The fact is there's a reality. There are Egyptians all around me. God says, don't look at what can be seen. Look at what is not seen in the natural. And stand in this truth. My grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness, my mercy are more than enough and always available regardless of the situation. For my power, God says, is being perfected and completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Amen. It's incredible, you know, we, we, we forget that side of it, you know. And it's not saying weakness in the sense of that we have you know, nothing, because we've just read who we are in Christ. But I think weakness in the sense of, of our humility, weakness in, in the sense of our dependence on Him, weakness in, in the sense of that we are not self-sufficient, mm. self-centered, selfish. You know, 
trusting in him. That's not a weakness. It's a massive strength. This is my power is perfected and made complete and shows itself most effective. And Paul goes on and says, Therefore I will more gladly boast in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I'm well, ple I'm ple well pleased with weaknesses. I'm pleased, Paul says, with insults. I'm pleased with distress, with persecution, and with difficulty for the sake of Christ. For when I'm weak in human strength, then I'm strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. I just want to end this morning just with this song. And I was just, it just started coming to me. Just thought it's so precious, this song that you know. But let's just stand together and, um, yeah, thanks. Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to meet with you in person.